Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency Owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Scott and Craig D. Fassel. And Scott and Craig have led their niche by delivering over 150 workshops teaching organizations that help people with disabilities how to find and keep more of the staff they need. One of the most amazing things about these two gentlemen's story is they started out as a marketing agency. And as they started to own their niche, really go in, dive into the deep end, follow the Yuguru's formula, they evolved their business from just being a marketing and web agency to really solving high value problems in their niche. They've they've since published a book in their niche and have made a huge difference for the folks that they serve. So Scott and Craig, I'm so excited to have you on the program today. Welcome. Thanks, Brent. Happy Thanks, to be Brent. Here. We're excited. Awesome. And, and so one of the things I, I'd love to kind of go back to, I feel like one of my favorite moments as, a, as an entrepreneur, which probably wasn't your favorite moment, as an entrepreneur, Scott, but you reached out to me. I think your dad was on on the thread, but I think I think you had reached out to me, and you were you were telling me about how things maybe weren't going super well, and you were kind of like, and you knew we were coming out with a new program, and but you you kind of like needed the help now, and we were launching it in like three or four months or whatever. We were kind of doing some pre sale stuff. Take me back to that moment. What was going on in the business? Yeah, I, I distinctly remember that. And yeah, you're 100% right, Brent. Not our favorite moment, but it, it was necessary looking back on it and, and grateful for the experience. We had just reached a point six years ago, back in late 2016, we were still just generalist web marketing design guys you know, for small businesses and nonprofits. So just way too many different organizations out there. A lot of our favorite clients had retired, been acquired, transitioned elsewhere, and just it kind of seemed like one day woke up and felt like this is not the work I want to be doing anymore. I feel like everything's an uphill battle. There there has to be something more energizing, more rewarding out here. How on earth do we get there? Revenue was not what we wanted it to be. Yeah. So you you were the first person thought of to to email. And we, we were just in a point where we had a project that, you know, on the surface, if you looked at it like, oh, this is a huge success, biggest project ever. It was a it was a huge failure. It it sucked up all of our time, energy, and attention. And when it was wrapping up, it left us in a spot where, oh my gosh, where is our next business mm. coming from? It's consumed the past year, you know, that that whale client. And there there was nothing in the pipeline. And it was that pit in your stomach feeling of, oh boy, what yeah. do we do now? Because there's nothing there. I don't enjoy what we're doing. Where do we go next? 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's even if not, even if other clients come in at that point in that field, it was like we were both. We've had it. We're tired of being what we call mouse jockeys. Client says this. Client says that. We didn't want to be subject to any more of the make the logo bigger demands. <laughs> and, and I want to qualify because I, I, I've had the last couple of minutes as you're talking, uh, Scott. You know, I, when I say it was one of my favorite moments, because I feel like the story, you know, started with that outreach. Like you, you, you reached out and said, hey, we, we basically have a problem. We don't have a, we don't have a niche, right? You, you had been focusing yes. on, you know, and I, I love the market target of small business and nonprofits. That basically means like <laughs> 96% of people with a pulse and a and a and a credit card in the United States probably fit into that bucket, right? Correct. You know, true true generalist. I do know you were you were doing some work or you had some past kind of like momentum in the like in the manufacturing market. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, was the whale client a manufacturing client or they were just an, a random small business? No, they were they were they were in manufacturing. It had been a long-time client. They had been when I, I had been in manufacturing when I sold my own manufacturing business. They were like I think the third client I was introduced to them. So we had we had had them as a really good client for over fifteen years at that point. But things changed, and unfortunately, it was not for the better. Uh, the whole project, it's one now with the benefit of hindsight. Perhaps we should have just said no. We're not right. A good fit for this, but. You know, when somebody flashes that opportunity, they're a long-term client, you have a good relationship, and they're willing to spend a lot of dollars, you say yes. One of the things I, I think happens to people that get big projects, especially when they're basically like a whale client, right, is yes. you, you, it's so easy with a whale to underestimate what it's going to take to do the work, right? Because it's kind of, I mean, it's like, it's yeah. like the first time we do anything, right? Like, like, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to admit something, right? I, I do not cook most of the meals at the Weaver household, right? But every once in a while, I'll realize, hey, you know, I, I got to go in and I got to contribute, right? And I'll be like, oh, I'll cook some dinner, right? And I'll go and like find a random recipe and I'll be like, oh, this will take like, you know, 15 minutes, but I've never done it before. And, you know, of course, what it has happens, right? I mean, you know, an hour and a half into it, right? The whole kitchen's a mess. Like, nothing's ready. Like, nobody, you know, you know everybody's hungry. The kids are freaking out. And I, and I feel like that's such a, a, a great analogy for when you don't have experience with large projects, with whales, it's really easy to not, uh, it's really easy to miss the mark when it comes to, like, scoping and estimating. And it sounds like that kind of happened to you guys, unfortunately. Oh, 100%. That's, that's an understatement. I think it's easy looking back on it now. You look, your mind goes to all the things that you know, like, oh, yeah, we can totally do that. We can do this. We've done that before. But then it's, there's something different in the scale and the scope of the project. And some of the things, it can be too easy to look at and talk to your dev team. And, oh, yeah, yeah, we've done that before. We've got that covered for you guys and not knowing what we, we didn't know you know, just went in a little too blindly and, and didn't think through, okay, if this goes wrong, what are we looking back on that's gone wrong? And what can we do to prevent it from the start, you know, and really intentionally approach it and get get outside help um, from resources that have been there, done this type of thing before. Uh, everyone was just so enthusiastic. Yeah, you know, we'd worked well together in the past, but Lots of things had changed on all sides, our side, 
their side, some new personnel change. So um, just a lot of little things added up to some very big problems down the road months later. So when, and I think it was it was somewhere around September-ish of 2017 that I think you reached out and said, you know, it was kind of after this project where it was like, you know, what what can we do to fix this problem? And I know you'd been working a little bit with Jen Buzza, our lead mentor, and around kind of niche selection, you know, of, of what should our market be. I think that the market you were working in was kind of sucking the soul out of the two of you. I mean, it was both the the, the, the whale the whale project kind of going off the rails, but it just didn't seem like the people were lighting the fire uh, for they you. They weren't. No, we'd already made the decision at that point going forward. We didn't. We weren't sure what niche we'd settle on, but it was like our criteria was: Will we invite these people to backyard barbecue? Mm, and we have the, true the, the John Hinshaw question. Exactly. Yes. So. And and do they give us energy? Do they have passion for what they do? Because we just didn't feel that with our existing client base. And for our time. listeners, the the question is basically, you know, looking at your client list, what you know, who from your client list would you invite over to your home for a backyard barbecue? And if the answer to that question is none, um, that's not a good sign, right? I mean, the idea is that you want to work with people that you would be willing to have over to your house. And I think if you're in a market or you're working with clients that are cool and, you know, whether it is even, uh, whether they're even in the niche that you want to be in or not, I think it's it's working with people that you can see yourself having a, a friendly relationship with. And I think we've, like when we think about the clients that we've had that don't fit that profile, right? I'm sure we can all think in our mind, right? There's there's probably some customers that were like, eh, they wouldn't make the cut, right? Uh, and you guys kind of asked yourselves that question and it was, you know, so did, did, did asking yourselves that question, did that give you some clarity of what what type of businesses or organizations you might think to, 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 to re-pivot to? Honestly, the clarity it gave us was that all the people that we really enjoyed with were had, had transitioned to other things. And it was that wake-up call of, oh my gosh, the, I knew the number was small, but it's gotten it's gone to zero at this point. And and there wasn't in reflecting on it, there wasn't anyone there that we could identify. Uh, we were very fortunate a couple months after this. A, a local business that helps people with developmental disabilities, our current niche now, they found us, they're local to us, they found us online, they needed some help with promoting themselves with their website. They found us, uh, we hit it off. We have some per- personal connection to that work. And it was at that point after finishing the web project for them, really enjoying the work, being energized by it, liking the people saying, oh my gosh, we would actually invite these people over to a backyard barbecue at our homes. Let's find out if there are more people like them doing this type of work. And I I would just add to that, it was more than just doing a web project because with them, there was a continuing challenge. And it was one that we just sort of latched onto. And when we saw that we were having some success in helping them land these critical staff, it, we both realized, wait a minute, there are a lot of people who need this kind of support. There's much more here. There's much more that we can do. And it, yep. it just at that point, we both wanted to learn a lot more about it. 
Yeah, I'd say a big turning point with them came very early on. We were doing discovery. And as soon as we asked that question, what's your greatest challenge? Oftentimes in past you know, discovery sessions, people took a moment to think it over. With them, we barely finished the question. And they were instantly saying, we need more DSPs. And we kind of raised our hand, okay, uh, sounds like this is a big issue, but can you give us the secret to codering? What on earth is a DSP? <laughs> From there, it just it took off in a direction we never could have anticipated. And a DSP is a direct support professional. That's the job title of the amazing staff that provides support and helps the individuals with disabilities. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. One of the things I talk about in, in Get Rich in the Deep End, I mean, there's a couple of things. One is that every market kind of has their own language their own oh, yeah. terminology. And you don't really, like, you might kind of discover a couple of those little things, but I think that as, you know, one of the indicators that that humans look at look for, right, in other humans in terms of trust is like, you know, do these people speak my language, right? I mean, if you go and discovered uh, a population of humans, you know, somewhere and they, they didn't speak your language, right, it's really hard to build that trust, right? If, if it was just straight up like, I speak English, they speak French, right? But... <clears throat> There's a lot there's a lot of nuance to that too, right? Like while we all speak English, this niche kind of has their own vernacular, their own glossary, right? And so DSP was one of those early acronyms that you had to kind of understand like, oh wow, they've got this type of person that they're looking to attract. And also as marketing professionals, it's really easy to assume that every niche out there Oh, they need more leads and clients. They need more leads and clients, right? And if we go to the, if we have that as on our website of like, hey, we're going to help you get more leads and clients, right? But this market that you guys started focusing on, and then in your very first discovery, you said, what is your number one problem? And it had nothing to do with traditional leads and clients. They were telling you they needed more DSPs, which in normal speak, a DSP is essentially an employee, right? It's a type of employee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Critical staff. It's a it's a critical stuff. It's basically it's the staff member that this this uh, type of organization runs off of, right? I mean, their their exactly. bottleneck if, is essentially like how many DSPs that they have. But basically, these these support professionals that can go out in the field to work with an individual, like they have plenty of demand for their services. They're they're absolutely. they're essentially throttled based on supply. Exactly, exactly right. At a certain point, if they don't have enough of these staff members there is no more organization they have to shut down. It's their lifeblood. What are the th- and unlike a standard business, it's not like they can just throw money at the problem because they are limited by government reimbursements. So these critical staff get comparatively low pay. Uh, the fact that you've seen all sorts of markets right now are throwing money to try to attract more staff. The providers we work with do not have that option of, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll just throw more money at the problem. They don't have that flexibility. 
So they do have a, a pretty big challenge. One of the things, you know, it's, it's, you know, hearing that you, you all went through discovery, right? I mean, that's always music to my ears. And we learn things in discovery that we can apply to a solution. As we start to think about like scaling up in a market, though, we have to start taking those insights from discovery. And instead of just applying them to one organization, you have to kind of apply them to more of your market positioning. And I think that, you know, this is an idea I want to come back to in this interview because you essentially started to pivot your business from we're a website and marketing agency that helps people with really broad marketing and website goals to, I mean, today, our, our listeners can't see this, but I'm, I'm holding up your book, which is uh, Heart, Hope, and Honesty, How I slash DD Providers Can Attract and Retain Amazing Direct Support Professionals and Thrive Despite the DSP Crisis. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, like spoiler alert, 2017, totally, you know, a crisis of meaning as a business, not happy with our customers, not making money, no projects lined up. Fast forward now to January of 2022, and you guys have literally written the book on how to attract, retain, and, and grow a DD organization with by attracting and retaining more DSPs, right? I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of the, there's a, there's a, there's a middle of the story here, but to, to, to look at this and go, you know, from one discovery meeting to be able to pull that insight and listen to that organization and deliver something of value to them to ultimately like repositioning your entire business around that need in the market, I think is, 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 is a massive success for you guys. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of middle to that. It's it's been a journey, <laughs> but the things that we've learned from the community and and everything that you put out there it was just invaluable. Uh, poured rocket fuel on it. Well, and I think this is you know so every every market has their language, right? The DSP stuff, right? But then they also have like very unique pains and problems and. One of the, I think, one of the market advantages that you have been able to create is is this evolution of of really continuing to push yourselves to say, you know, what do these people really need? How can we be of most use? I want to come back though to kind of this 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 uh, part of the genesis story here, which is, you know, you got this insight, you kind of realized you got this this DD organization as a client, you got some unique insights in the discovery process. But then I think, you know, the the email or whatever, our, our back and forth conversation was like, hey, we need clients like ASAP, right? What do we kind of do? And I think you had you had at least an inkling that you wanted to go after this market, which was which was good, right? And it was you were actually one of our first clients where we actually took our own internal tool set, the market map, and said, Hey, okay, let's, you know, this is the next step, right? You need to build a list, you need to go do uh, what we call customer development interviews, which is kind of a, an adapted concept uh, from Ash Maria and some other people in kind of the startup SaaS space of doing customer development, right? Getting out of the building and going and and actually talking with people within a market. And so you said, hey, Brent, what do I do? And I said, build a list of DD organizations and 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 contact them and go have conversations to learn about them and figure out where you can add value, uh, which... I've given that same instruction set to a lot of people, and 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 for there's a lot of people that have a huge challenge around that, 
whether it's a mindset thing, not feeling comfortable of contacting people. So walk me through kind of what your next moves were, right? Because you did build a list. So our, our next moves were, and sorry, Craig and I are a little context. We're, we've been chuckling a little bit as you say that because now we get the pleasure of teaching others how to do this. And in fact, yesterday, we were leading a workshop for our field on how they can build a very specific list to work to accomplish what they're trying to do. So we started off just taking some of the bits and pieces we learned in discovery with our first client in the space, doing Google searches. They had mentioned a couple of times in conversations that there was here in Ohio, which is where we're located, the Ohio Provider Resource Association. They said that they were members, got valuable information, there were conferences, that type of thing. And that was the starting point for some of our research, taking what we had learned in discovery and looking for, okay, are there other organizations, associations out there like this across the United States using for us with the nonprofit space and for anyone in the nonprofit space, uh, a really, really valuable tool that is completely free to sign up for is GuideStar. We looked up our client on GuideStar and found their designation. There's like a little code where it's a letter and a couple of numbers. And then we took that, made notes on it, and did a search of GuideStar for similar organizations, you know, similar area, uh, budget size, code that we got from GuideStar and built out a list like that. And then simply started reaching out to have conversations to do that customer development to ask questions about, hey, what's your greatest challenge? And then it became quickly obvious that everyone was having the same challenge. So then we could go and ask more specific, more educated questions. They call it the workforce crisis in our field. So I use the analogy of it's kind of like going to a doctor with back pain. There are a lot of different ways back pain can come about, different causes. And the workforce crisis is like that. It, it looks and feels different for different organizations. Some organizations have symptoms and problems that others don't. Some of them have multiple problems. And it, it takes that outreach to, as you were talking about, learn their language. We took notes on it very intentionally. That was incredibly helpful uh, in the early phases because as we had more conversations with them, we were able to use that language and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, it's like you're inside our heads. The reality is, no, we're not inside your heads. We've just, <laughs> you've told us everything. We listened, we took notes and then repeated it back to you to make sure that we were understanding things correctly. And they were like, oh my gosh, you get us. Uh, and the conversations just built momentum from there. And I think there's, I mean, for, there, there's a couple of things. One is, as you're doing the list building, and I love that you've identified this great source. You know, I think every market, right, has, there's an existing source out there. I call it kind of market infrastructure. So for within your market, GuideStar was a great source to be able to build a list from. But then there is, there is kind of like, um, you know, from list to actual conversations, uh, you mentioned you just reached out. Like, what is what does that mean? So we looked at the list, looked at the phone number, picked up the phone, and made the the call. Just you really were great about emphasizing with us that hey, the list isn't like this. Tool. It doesn't have to be this big fancy CRM. This thing to be managed. the The goal is not to spend time in the list. The goal is to just use the list, check in, go. Oh, I haven't called this person in a while. Oh, there's their phone number. There's their email. Reach out to them. Don't overthink it. Uh, and that was just incredibly valuable. And also your guidance on 
you know, because I think maybe early on I asked the question, okay, well, how do I get past the gatekeepers? And you're like, no, there, there are no gatekeepers. So, you know, everyone can help you. And even if they are a gatekeeper, you know, just be nice to them. They're a person. And honestly, they can make or break you. If you're rude to them, they're not going to pass you through to the person that you need to talk to. And just the, the outreach approach of you know, being humble, having that high intent, low attachment to the outcome and being genuinely curious and putting people at ease that, hey, I promise you, I'm not trying to sell you anything. We've done a little bit of work in this field before. I'm trying to learn more, trying to get a better understanding. I just want to ask you a couple of questions and I'm going to listen. And it was very reassuring quickly because everyone was willing to help out. Everyone's like, yeah, sure. We can talk about that. We can schedule time. Yeah, I've got time right now. Let's chat. Yeah. And I think there's a, you know, cause, cause the, the thing that I'm, I'm, I, I would of course pick up from our listeners minds is, you know, you picked up the phone and you started calling people. And I mean, initially, I mean, I promise you there's listeners right now that are like, Oh, he's just, he's talking about cold calling. Like, I don't want a cold call. I don't want a cold call. Right. And I think what is important is that when you're going into a new market, I mean, you have to somehow have, you know, some sense of communication to get on the phone with people. You know, cold calling, I feel like, is is they is a tactic to with the intent to sell. You know, I'm cold calling you to to to, you know, when we think of traditional cold calling, right? It's like I'm calling so that I can get a client. And I think that doing customer development and and spending time to really learn about your market so that you can develop something worth listening to is a very different thing. And you highlighted this idea of no gatekeepers. And in and, and it too, like what I what I mean by that is that, you know, if you're an assistant at a random nonprofit organization, like that person lives in that market, right? They're somebody who can offer value to you. They can teach you something. They can they can offer you insights into their position, into their role, probably into the organization and definitely into the market, right? If that person's been in that field for six months or more, I mean they probably have a wealth of information that they can offer you where you might have only been, you know, thinking about this market for a couple of months. So you're having these conversations, you're listening, you're taking notes, you're starting to kind of understand the market more, right? You had this one client where you got to understand them through discovery, but now you're starting to understand some market patterns. One of the biggest challenges I see people have, if they are successful in building a list and starting to do some true customer development, starting to learn about the market, one of the challenges I see people have is there's this, this gap right between doing customer development and actually getting a customer to pay you, right? Like, and I'm not going to say like I mean, in some places it's a short gap where we could just like run and like jump, right? In some places we need some kind of bridge, but like for some people, this gap mentally is like really far. They don't understand how calling people and asking questions and just learning could ever turn into more clients. How did you bridge that gap? So for us, I think going back on it, from when we started it, probably, as you mentioned, in September, I think we got our first new paid client based on the the customer development in February the following year. So about five months there. And honestly, still the funny thing to me all these years later is it was a, a customer development interview that at, as soon as the, the nice woman, her name's Carol, Carol got, and she's still a client today. As soon as Carol got on the phone, I thought I was sunk because I called, I got the receptionist and I said, hey, is Carol available? And she said, let me go check. 
And a minute later, Carol gets on the phone and she goes, hello, who is this? They just pulled me out of a meeting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm, she's going to think that I'm this cold caller. Like I, try, I tricked the receptionist into pulling her out of the meeting. And I was very apologetic. Uh, but clearly that meeting wasn't too interesting or important because she's like, well, you know what? I, I've got some time. So what did you want to ask me? And she just kept on volunteering to to give us more insight and perspective on the ideas that we were creating to potentially sell something to the new niche. And we reached a point where we we showed her the idea, walked her through it. And I told her, like, hey, if this is a terrible idea, please tell us. You're not going to hurt our feelings. We want to create something of value here. I'm not, I don't know if this is going to hit home for you or not. So give us your candid feedback. And she loved it. And she's like, yes, I, I want to be the first client. Where do I sign? Let's get going. So just that continued following, following up, scheduling the next conversation and listening to, to everyone in those CDIs, uh, revising what we were coming up with. And then finally just reaching a point where, okay, like, let, let's take the risk. I don't know if this is the right thing, but based on what I'm hearing and learning, I think this would be a value to them and giving them permission to say, hey, this seems weak. This doesn't make sense. This is terrible. This is great. Just being open to whatever they thought of it. I think the other really nice thing that we found quickly with this, this field, you would think since they all have the same problem, we found their active encouragement to, yes, go out and get more providers as clients. Yep, yeah, we'll be happy to give you a reference, whatever it takes. They liked the fact that we had a business background and they loved the fact that we were all in on helping their field. So it was that that was I think that might have been one of the biggest surprises is how how much they embraced the idea. Craig Scott, go get more clients like us because we figure long term it's going to benefit us. Mm -hmm. Which I think goes a lot of people believe that when you start to niche. You know, if you get a client that's a whatever, a law firm or this or that, right? The, the client is not going to want you to get any other clients like them. And I, I think that was my very first email message to you about seven or eight years ago, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I feel like is, you know, I mean, not to like level it up to this fundamental kind of, you know, abundance versus scarcity mindset, but it's very much in that vein, right? And I think the scarcity mindset says, you know, having a client in this niche kind of precludes me from being able to have more clients in this niche because they're going to look at us as, you know, potentially sharing their secrets with competitors. Um, but the reality, like what actually happens in practice is that, you know, unfortunately your clients had that, more often had that abundant mindset coming into it. But the more DD organizations that you worked with, the deeper your level of expertise became, the more you could actually help all of your clients. And that becomes a very virtuous cycle, right? So in practice, what ends up happening is when you are niched, you're able to get such better results by working with multiple clients in that niche for the entire niche that it just it very quickly, it kind of outpaces it, right? Um, you know, if you were to only have ever worked with one DD organization, your level of expertise, I mean, first of all, you couldn't have built a business around it. You couldn't have gone and gave a bunch of talks around it. You couldn't have done the work that you did. You couldn't have literally written the book on it, right? So when we think about that that mindset, I think if people are thinking about that objection to niching of like, oh, nobody's going to want me to work with other clients like them, you know, I think in practice, like when you when you get the reps in, 
you start to like some some real magic starts to happen, which I think is is cool. And I'm sure is I'm sure I'm sure the other objection you hear is like, oh well, we'll get bored. And that was my worry early on too. Well, I'll get bored. I like the variety. I like having to learn new things. Well, there's always something more for us to learn. And I think about a year and a half or two years ago, I came to you and I said, I think our new problem is we're this is our focus. And it's great that we're focused, but now the deeper we get into it, we're seeing more and more opportunities. And I'm worrying that even though we're focused on serving this type of client and helping them with this problem, there are so many things within that that we could potentially help with. I'm worried that we're going to get spread too thin. So finding that the deeper we got, you know, there was more to learn and and it required us to to really make sure that we were staying focused because the deeper we've gotten into it, the more people are like, hey, you guys could be doing this or do you have anything on this or that? And you're like, oh yes, I want to help. I want to help with that too. That's interesting. Never thought about that. And you can quickly spread yourself too thin. And, and I think too, like before you, like before people are willing to really come forward to you guys with ideas and for you to even develop the experience to even understand what the market opportunity is, like it requires such a commitment. Like you have to have like broken through that trust barrier where people are willing to talk to you, right? And where you're able to get, you know, the influencers of the market and the leaders of the market to give you their time. Um, and so I, I find that that's so it's so true, right? That, that the more you kind of get into the market, all of a sudden it goes from like, oh wow, this is like I under, I've got a targeted market, but now I need like a targeted offer. I need something that's going to make it to where we can build a system around it, where we're not going to get burned out again. Because there's there's you know you, I mean the DD market's huge, right? I mean how many organizations are in this market in the United States? Do you, do you even know that? I'm not sure the. There's supposedly 800,000 DSPs in the country, and there are more, there's more demand than they're able to meet because there's their waiting list of people need these services. So I don't, you know, I mean, there are hundreds of organizations, though, still hundreds right? in every state. So they're probably several thousand. They're probably, I would think, somewhere between 20 and 50,000 easily. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e the number two m solutions.com. All right, back to our show. So five months to, to go from zero clients in, in, a, in a niche, or you got you had kind of your first right to getting your first client that was kind of your you know a new a new customer through this way, right? I mean, it was it was a few months to kind of work through that. I mean, I think in, like brass tacks from like that initial email, thinking about that, like to getting that first client, like that actually isn't, I mean, maybe it was like at the end of September or something, but when you actually think about, okay, now you're going out and building a list and you're uh, you're having to work that list, you're having conversations, those are appointments on calendars, right? Like people could look at five months and feel like, oh my gosh, that's so long. But like, there's a lot of things that are happening where progress is happening, right? But I want to, I wanna, for, for sake of not freaking people out or at least having them feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? I mean, I want to fast forward to... Jan of 2022. Can you estimate 
how many organizations in this market you've been able to work with in some capacity where like they've paid you like some some amount of money. You know, how many orgs have you worked with since since then? Dad, do you have a feel for that? No, I can look it up quickly. I I'd probably guess around three dozen. It might be a little higher. I was gonna say take I was gonna say around 50. We've sort of looked that's as far as people have been clients. We had set a goal a little over three years ago of helping a thousand providers through workshops, speaking engagements. And we blew through that within the first year. So now we just sat down and made our next three-year vivid vision goal. And it now it's 10, the number is 10,000. That's awesome. For the next three. So, and I wouldn't be surprised if we were, if we were a little uncomfortable with that, but <laughs> the way this year's starting off, <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> a little bit, we might've, we might've set the bar too low. So from, you know, and I, and I love that context, right? Cause it's like, you could look at that and go, okay, we had to, you know, yes, there was some, some cold outreach, some initial relationship building, right? Some, and it feels like such heavy lifting to get like, like to go from zero to one is like really hard. Right. And I just want to make yes. people aware of that, right? Like to get your first client or to get your first client in a market, right? It's not easy, right? There are things that we can do to like, to, to, to fast track that. And there's, there's, there's things that we should be doing to, to, to kind of do it right, but it's not necessarily easy work. But, but what I want to do is, is also kind of, you know, talk about where the business is now, because like, do you, are you cold calling still in any capacity? Not very often. We're more likely to get here from people that we have no idea who they are initially or how, and so we're asking how they heard of us, uh, but I mean, the only thing I just started, we're talking about lists. I just, my accountability for this week was to build a list, a very short list. We're already thinking about book number two. So I'm looking at people I want to interview for book number two. So quickly, I was just going to spend a few minutes. My goal was just to get six really qualified people. It quickly became 13. And it's like, well, I have a little bit more time. I reached out to four or five and got instant yes, we're happy to help. So we still use lists for specific things. Gotcha. So, so still out. So still using the, yep. the power of a list is just the dynamics Absolutely. of it have changed. I mean, I'm, what I'm hearing from you maybe is more: these might be people that you already have some type of connection or loose tie to, versus like we, random. Even if we don't have a connection, though, they're in the field. They're they're people that we want to talk to, and I think maybe that's sort of the power of of having a book. When you can put that you're an author or a co-author of a book in your signature, I've noticed that seems to elicit responses. It used to be when we do LinkedIn outreach, I probably would have like 30% of people say yes to the connection request. Now it's close to 100%. Wow. Just by having that market authority, author of a yeah. book, and also, you know, I mean, what it, what it took to write the book. I mean, I think that, you know, when, when we also look at like the power of niching, right? I mean, it's almost like in order to get to the point of being able to write a book for a market, I mean, you have to have, there, there's so many things that have to have happened. And, and even coming back to that, that comment you made earlier, Scott, of like getting bored in a market, right? I mean, to be able to write a book about a topic, like you have to, you have to know what you're talking about. Like when I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, like I, I'm not a DD professional, I kind of gave the book a skim. I kind of dove into some areas around your model 
around your process, right? I mean, that you guys wrote about in the book and I just like love it because just seeing, like I feel like I was a part of it on the ground floor of like watching you actually build the model and build some of the proven processes that you you built into the market. But it's like, it's almost like the antithesis of being bored. Like to be able to to build a book is probably one of the most challenging things that I've personally done. And I also feel somewhat of a connection because I kind of called you guys out on stage at you summit. And I was like, cause I, I, I looked at you and I said, you know, I think you'd been, you'd been focused on the niche for two years. You'd made incredible progress. You were, you were giving keynote presentations, you were delivering these workshops. And I was like, the next step for you guys is to like write the book. Yeah. Craig took that challenge personally. I know. I, yeah, I, I, know. I, I honestly, I didn't think that you were going to actually write a book. Like, I hoped you did. I hoped you did, but like, you know, I wasn't going to like put your feet to the fire or start, you know, sending you text messages every week or something like that. But like you ended up like you took that challenge and then you, you went and like wrote the book and it's like a pretty sweet hardback it's, like book. A couple of weeks before you summit, I mentioned to Scott that I had the idea of writing a book. And then when you called us out on stage, it got me thinking again. And the next morning he went to work out and I'm in the shower and I'm sitting there and it just came, the title came to me. And the initial outline. So that's why that morning I said, uh, yesterday when you called us out on stage, challenge accepted. <laughs> so we, we you know, uh, I, I would love to go more into some of the stuff. Like, I mean, your offer, I think, is another area where when people start to niche, they, I think what we don't, when you aren't, when you've never done it before, you don't understand how your offer can change. And I think that's one of the things that you both have been very, flexible and you've really you've built your business based on what your customers need not what you think you want to do but what they need right like you've been so obsessed about their problems and you know i think if there's anything that i've been able to be successful with them within my business is like that ethos of just like doing customer development listening to people building the offer based on what they say that they want versus what i think that people want right and your your company to be fair, I mean, it's really pivoted away from a traditional marketing and web agency. I mean, you've now, you've now, you're kind of more of a uh, a training and consultancy company and a publisher, really, um, within this market. I mean, you're still using a lot of your marketing stuff, right? Your marketing tool set. You're still using a lot of funnels and building landing pages and websites and other things like that. But you're you're doing a lot of a lot of training. I know one of your core offers has become like your workshop. What what do you guys do in terms of delivering a workshop? Like, what does that mean? So it varies. How so it's probably easiest for me to go back to the start to give everyone context. We did a a conference session that was well received. We had a couple of people. You know, we had an offer, uh, eight and a half by eleven sheet on the tables. Was going around collecting them. Somebody came up, complimented me on the talk. I, I kind of thought, okay, thanks very much. Didn't think too much of it. Then had a scheduled Zoom meeting with them afterwards. I I fulfilled you know the offer that we promised from stage, and afterwards they were like, okay, so in your presentation you were talking about this DSP magnet, and that's what our offering is called, the DSP magnet, because uh, a magnet attracts and holds on to things, and that's exactly what they want to do with the the DSP staff. They want to attract the right people and hold on to them. They're like, so that DSP magnet concept. Could you guys? do a workshop on that. And it was one of those moments where I knew I should just say yes, shut my mouth, and then figure out how on earth we go and do this. 
because it wasn't something that we had ever thought of to that point. But as soon as we started talking about people, about the talking, excuse me, talking with people about the potential of doing a workshop, word spread and that that agreement to do one workshop quickly became four workshops. And we hadn't even given a workshop ever. The the contact that took us up on our, our pitch from stage at the end, they just kept spreading the word about this, that, hey, we're going to do this thing. And it spread like wire, wildfire. So it was an early sign of there's something very real here. And it was this was pre-pandemic for context. You know, the great, great qualifier we all have to share now. And it, we, did, we put together a one-day in-person workshop and it was a hit and word just continued to spread. Hey, we heard great things about the workshop you did. Could you come do that for us? And it quickly turned into the roadshow of doing one-day workshops. And naturally, as you'd expect, that that had to pivot when everything shut down in spring of 2020. So that's where some of the variety now has come in with doing online-only workshops, occasionally now you know, a hybrid in-person slash online workshop, doing really short workshops, doing longer workshops. Uh, so, and then, you know, with the variety of that and you know, what we talk about, but as I mentioned earlier, people come up and, hey, this was a great workshop. Could you do a workshop on this? So the the toolbox of of workshops and offerings has expanded over time. How many workshops did you do last year? Uh, don't have a perfect count. Haven't had time to review. I think somewhere a little over 120. It's hard for us to keep track. There were some weeks we were doing like six workshops and obviously we're the only two delivering workshops. And we've gone from both being on work workshops together to now we're usually doing them individually, doing different things. So it, uh, yeah, it, it can be hard to keep track of. <laughs> That's a good thing. Well, well, congrats on that, guys. I, um, I'm really proud of the work you've done over the last few few years. You know, if I haven't said that enough, over 100 workshops delivered to your market last year. You guys have written a book for your market. You've uh, you're you're working on your second book. I think that your story of gaining traction in your market, becoming an authority in that market, and scaling up an offer, working with over 50 clients in your niche, delivering over 100 of these sessions last year. I mean, I think that you're success and momentum is is just getting started. I mean, I think this is this is one of the coolest things when it comes to the magic of owning your market is that, you know, more and more opportunity, more and more possibilities start to happen every year and, you know, the the way to grow into other markets, right, is to have a lot of momentum in one market. And so I think it's cool to see you guys do this. I think there's a lot of opportunity for you in the future and um, I really appreciate you sharing your story with our listeners today. No, we appreciate it. It's, it's been a fun ride. And so we, we seem to hit a tipping point now. People that we haven't even heard of, or we've heard of you guys when you come speak. You mentioned the book in Ohio, their leadership group. They're going to use our book as one of their texts, which is really exciting. So, very cool. So, I think, yes, we, I think we've, uh, I think we have definitely hit the, the tipping point where we are the authority, or certainly one of the. One of the few authorities. So, awesome. it's it's something that's both really humbling and really exciting because these opportunities now just come and find us, and it's exciting for us because hey, this is somebody new we've never even heard of, we've never found in our research, and here they are reaching out to us and giving us an opportunity, trusting us to come speak to their group and get the message out there. 
Very cool. Well, you guys have a quick minute here for a lightning round, and then we'll close out today. Let's go for it. All right. Lightning round. What is the best advice you've ever received, Scott? The best advice I've ever received is from the guy right here with us on Zoom, my dad, Craig. Just the secret to life is just ask. Ask the question. The Ask for what you want. The worst that the other person can say is no, and you're right back to where you started. Craig, what's your best advice you've ever received? The harder you work, the luckier you get. And believe me, this journey has included some really <laughs> lucky things or just circumstances where you look back, it's like, why did I reach out to that person? But thank God I did. Scott, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I'd have to say it goes with what we've talked about today with the, that outreach is, is one indication of it. The persistence. When I set a goal and I want something, I will work at it tirelessly and even through getting discouraged. You know, fortunate to have a, a great support system, but that persistence to really go after something and find a way. Craig, personal habit contributed most to your success? Probably the same thing, the persistence, although some might with me say stubbornness. <laughs> I, I, I'm very competitive. I hate to lose. So it's like I, I look at some of these things as a challenge and I'll, I'll be darned if I'm going to let them beat me. Scott, do you have a tool, a resource or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? For us, one of my go-to uh, tools that we use regularly, uh, it's a perfect fit for us with doing lots of speaking. Loom. L-O-O-M, uh, loom.com, not to be confused with Zoom. Yes, it's another video app. Yes, they rhyme. Uh, it's a different company. Loom just allows us to record short videos really simply. There's a Chrome plugin. So uh, for example, yesterday we led a workshop teaching some people in our field how to do outreach. And we had them complete an assessment form. And I had a spot where they could share their questions or concerns. And I read through them this morning and the easiest, quickest thing for me to do, rather than type out an email and agonize over it, I just decided I'm going to click on Loom, start the video, record myself for like two minutes reacting to their question, sharing some insight and help for them and just copying that link for them into an email. And I've already gotten a couple of responses saying, oh my gosh, this is great. This is such a big help. Uh, and it's just, it's quicker and easier for us and stands out in people's inboxes. Awesome. Craig, app or tool? Uh, perfect recall because I can bring it in on Zoom meetings and it does machine transcription of the meetings. And then that way too, since Scott and I are doing so many different things now, if there's something that I think is really important for him to see, I can just highlight that portion of the transcript. It creates a clip of that part of the video and it makes it very easy for me to send it to him or to a client. So. Scott, what book would you recommend? The book I'd re recommend is very specific. If anyone is curious about like what we're doing with workshops and how we've gotten to the point of doing over 120 workshops last year, uh, it's this book right here, The Workshop Survival Guide by Rob Fitzpatrick and Devin Hunt. Uh, it's a little yellow book available on Amazon. Uh, it's worth its weight in gold, and I truly do mean that. It has taught us how to create the workshops that we have. We were fortunate to find it right after we did our very first workshop ever. And it's allowed us to build our workshops very quickly, easily, efficiently, and most importantly, do it in a way that keeps people in the workshop energized and engaged. And frankly, 
coming back for more and asking, hey, can you do another workshop on this? Can you come back? I want you to come to our organization privately. So that's the workshop survival guide. And Craig, book? Oh, probably Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. Um, I think it's really good to sit down and look at where you want to be and just, you know, take it from the perspective you've achieved these goals and then work backwards. So how can I get there? Uh, I mentioned that Scott and I just did that again. My wife and I sat down and did our own personal Vivid Vision for the next three years. Awesome. Well, we will make sure that we link out to Cameron Harold's Vivid Vision, the workshop survival guide, Loom, Perfect Recall, as well as lots of other tools, takeaways, tips at our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening this week, you'll see Scott and Craig's photo right up at the top. Click on those dudes and you will get all these awesome takeaways. Guys, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Well, we're working on a new website. And to be clear, we're not actually developing our, our new website. It's about to go live. Uh, people can find that by going to blitz, B-L-I-T-Z, creative.com. You'll see how niche-focused we are. We've, we've got videos and information that everything is tailored to our field. So I would just say, if somebody's curious about doing workshops, doing CDIs, they're looking for a little help, insight perspective, fill out one of those contact forms. We're happy to, to jump on a Zoom call and uh, chat with you. I'd say we'd also be happy to, if somebody wants to reach out to us, if they're concerned about public speaking. We've become very comfortable on stage. We enjoy it. Uh, it energizes us. So, you know, if anyone who thinks it would help their field to speak publicly, we'd be happy to offer some tips. Yeah, that's a great point because honestly, it's something I never envisioned doing. Awesome. Well, we appreciate the offer to our audience. Check their stuff out at blitzcreative.com. Again, if you're listening to this show and you're not able to write down all these URLs, just check out the yougurus.com slash podcast page and we'll link out to Blitz Creative. We'll also link out directly to their contact page, their social profiles, and other methods to do direct communication. Guys, thanks so much for sharing your story with our listeners today. Happy to, Brunt. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. And thank you for all you contributed to what we've been able to accomplish. Couldn't have done it without your help. It's been a great honor, guys. So appreciate you uh, sharing that story today. And it's been it's been on my list for a while to have you on the show and uh, and, and be able to capture this for for uh, for all of time. So thanks again for being here. And that is it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.